morning, everyone. This is Garrison Hardy with your Cross Politic Daily News Brief for Friday, July 8th, 2022. Happy Friday to you and yours. And let's start off by talking about our conference. What else? Garrison, stop talking about the conference. Well, market research shows that uh, in advertising, it takes about 3 to 20 times for the average person to finally act on an ad that they heard. So uh, by now, hopefully you've heard it more than 20 times. <laughs> our upcoming Fight Laugh Feast conference is just four months away now. So you guys need to sign up. It's in Knoxville, Tennessee, October 6th through the 8th. Don't miss Beer and Psalms, our amazing lineup of speakers, which includes George Gilder, Jared Longshore, Pastor Wilson, Dr. Ben Merkel, Pastor Toby, and we can't say yet. Also, don't miss our awesome vendors, meeting new friends, and stuff for the kids too, like jumpy castles and accidental infant baptisms. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. Also, did you know... You can save money by signing up for a club membership. So go to fightlaughfeast.com and sign up for a club membership today and then register for the conference with that club discount. I think you can save like 100 bucks. So uh, we can't wait to fellowship, sing psalms, and celebrate God's goodness in Knoxville with you and yours October 6th through the 8th. All right, let's get to the news. On Wednesday, Johnson, age 58, had vowed to soldier on after admitting it was a mistake to keep Chris Pincher on as a government whip despite sexual misconduct allegations against him. After receiving a hostile grilling at Prime Minister's Question Time and then before the House of Commons Liaison Committee, he was lobbied by Michael Gove and several other cabinet ministers who urged him to resign. But Johnson then sacked Gove as Secretary of State for leveling up and appeared determined to carry on, having told MPs earlier he had a mandate from the general election victory of December 2019 and would continue to deliver on the Conservative Party's manifesto promises. On Thursday morning, Nadheem Zahawi, who had been appointed Chancellor less than 48 hours before following Sunak's resignation, turned on Johnson, writing on Twitter, This is not sustainable, it will not, and it will only get worse for you for the Conservative Party, and most importantly, all of the country. You must do the right thing and go now. Then at lunchtime on Thursday, Johnson finally confirmed he would be resigning, triggering a leadership contest in the Conservative Party. So, now what? Well, Johnson will remain as Prime Minister until a leadership election takes place in the ruling Conservative Party. Among the frontrunners will be Sunak, the former Health Secretary, Sajid Javid, Sahid Javid, I think I pronounced that right, uh, and the former secretary Liz Truss is expected to be in the running as well, along with Attorney General Suela Braverman and possibly Defense Secretary Ben Wallace and Trade Minister Penny Mordaunt. When a new leader has been chosen, Johnson, the 14th Prime Minister of Queen Elizabeth II's 70-year reign, he will visit the head of state Buckingham Palace to formally tender his resignation. Scandal over Chris Pincher had proved to be the final straw for many of his cabinet colleagues who had backed him in a vote of confidence over the Partygate scandal last month. So that's what's happening overseas. Let's turn our eyes here to the northwest, actually, next to Idaho, as Montana clinics preemptively restrict out-of-state patients' access to abortion pills. Yes, more of this, please. The four states bordering Montana have trigger laws in effect or pending now that the U.S. Supreme Court has ended federal protections for abortion, making conservative big sky country an unlikely haven for women seeking to end their pregnancies or murder their babies. Uh, There, I fixed it for you, NPR. 
But Montana's potential to become an abortion refuge has been diminished, not by the lawmakers and governor whose attempts to restrict abortions have been stymied by the state's constitution's right to privacy, but by the operators of at least four of the state's five clinics, which are preemptively limiting who can receive abortion pills. Officials from Planned Parenthood of Montana, which operates three of the four clinics, said the intent is to ensure that they and their patients, or parents, from states with bigger bans, laws to ban or restrict abortion that were designed to go in effect if Roe v. Wade was struck down, are protected from criminal charges and lawsuits. But the policy change is yet another complication for women in neighboring states, such as South Dakota, who want to end pregnancy, and face a rapidly narrowing field of options. Quote, that was a state that we were hoping that was going to be available, said Kim Florin, director of the Justice Through Empowerment Network. (laughs) That's a funny title. A South Dakota abortion fund which provides financial aid to people who need the procedure. They are literally paying to have you... Oh my goodness, that's disgusting. At this point, it's just more bad news on top of more bad news. End quote. No, it's great news, Kim. You need to repent. Patients often prefer medication abortions over surgical abortions because they are cheaper, require less time at a clinic, and offer them greater privacy and more control. The most common type of medication abortion is a two-part pill regimen. The first taken in the clinic if an in-person visit is required. The second typically taken at home. In many states, the medications can be shipped to the patient after a telemedicine appointment. In 2020, medication abortions made up more than half of abortions in the U.S. for the first time. This according to Guttmacher Institute, a research organization that supports abortion rights. Advocates expect medication abortions to become a target of new state laws. Well, yeah, I mean, we're coming for it all. In South Dakota, a law that bans abortions by telemedicine took effect July 1st. The Planned Parenthood policy change in Montana is a response to the shifting legal landscape, said Jennifer Sandman, Senior Director of Public Policy, Litigation, and Law for Planned Parenthood's national organization. People are acting under conditions of extraordinary chaos and fear that has been instilled by where the Supreme Court has left us and by threats by anti-abortion politicians in some states, end quote. That was according to uh, Jennifer Sandman. Planned Parenthood of Montana decided June 30th not to provide abortion pills at their clinics in Billings, Great Falls, and Helena to patients from states where trigger laws have gone into effect. At the time, bans were in place in South Dakota, Arkansas, Missouri, and Oklahoma, but Planned Parenthood officials said that they see a significant number of patients from South Dakota. The officials did not respond when asked how many South Dakota patients would likely be affected. Montana's other neighbors, Idaho, Wyoming, and North Dakota, also have trigger laws, but they have not yet gone into effect. Folks, please keep praying that the Lord, the Lord's will will continue to push through and abortion will be ended in this country. Story Real Estate. Folks, it's time that we... Uh, Say thank you to another one of our sponsors. And if you want to move to the Moscow, Idaho, Pullman, Washington, anywhere in the Palouse, Story Real Estate's who you need to go to. Home. It's where you build your legacy. Where traditions are started, seeds are planted, meals are shared, and stories are told. Home is where you prepare to go out into the world. Finding the home that's perfect for your family, well, that's a big job. Story Real Estate is Moscow's top real estate team. They give people real estate advice all over the country. Family homes, investments, land, new construction, or commercial. 
They know real estate. If you've thought about a move to Moscow or anywhere in the country for that matter, reach out to get connected with a Story Real Estate agent. Wherever you're going, they can help guide you home. Visit storyrealestate.com for more information. Again, that's storyrealestate.com. Last surviving Band of Brothers member, Bradford Freeman, dead at 97. This is from Fox News. Bradford Freeman, the last surviving member of Easy Company that was portrayed in the World War II series Band of Brothers, has passed away. Freeman, 97, died Sunday at Caledonia, Mississippi's Baptist Memorial Hospital, Golden Triangle. This is according to Stars and Stripes. His death was announced in his local newspaper with an obituary composed by his children. The military legend is survived by his sister, two daughters, and four grandchildren. He is also survived by ten great-grandchildren. Freeman was the last surviving soldier who helped to inspire Band of Brothers, a seminal television series depicting life in combat during World War II. The Band of Brothers HBO miniseries, based on a book by Stephen Ambrose, followed the members of Easy Company, 506th Regiment, 101st Airborne Division, from training in Georgia in 1942 through some of the war's fiercest European battles and through the war's end in 1945. Its producers included Tom Hanks and Steven Spielberg. Richard Dick Winters, Easy Company commander, died following a several-year battle with Parkinson's disease. Longtime family friend William Jackson said Monday. An intensely private and humble man, Winters had asked that news of his death be withheld until after his funeral. Jackson said. Winters lived in Hershey, Pennsylvania, and died in suburban Palmyra. If you guys haven't watched that series, I highly recommend it. One of the best war series I've ever seen, and it, like it's, it really encapsulates World War II and life during that time. Now, it's time for the topic that I love. Sports! Brittany Griner pleads guilty, facing 10 years in Russian prison. But wait a minute, Garrison. You might say, I thought you said sports. The WNBA isn't a sport. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. Uh, ladies, ladies, please forgive me. Uh, in, a court si- in a court outside Moscow on Thursday, WNBA superstar, star, if you can call her that, Brittany Griner pleaded guilty to drug smuggling charges widely thought to be politically motivated. She faces up to 10 years in prison, though the Biden administration is working to secure her release, possibly as part of a prisoner swap, which is funny because, you know, she hates America, but yet she she wants out. Maybe this is giving her new perspective. In an appearance on Thursday detailed by the state news agency RIA Novisti, Griner told the court she hadn't intended to commit a crime when she brought two cartridges of hashish oil into Russia in February, but that she had merely packed in a hurry. For years, Griner has played for a team in central Russia to supplement her income in the WNBA because they only make thousands of dollars. <laughs> and, the, and the NBA has to pay for the league to exist. Griner's trial, which began several days ago, is all but predetermined in the state's favor. The majority of cases in Russia that are not pleaded out and in a guilty verdict. Her next hearing is scheduled for July 14th. A guilty plea may help set the wheels in motion for a potential prisoner exchange. Speculation in Russia has focused on Victor Bout, an arms dealer known as the Merchant of Death. Russian authorities have previously stated that there will be no prisoner swap until a verdict is handed down. Give us Barabbas! <laughs> On Wednesday, the White House announced that President Joe Biden and Vice President Kamala Harris had spoken with Griner's wife. That, that's not real, by the way. That's a gay mirage. Sherelle 
is her name, to assure her that the administration is working to bring Griner home. The call came after Griner asked for help in a handwritten letter delivered to the White House on July 4th. In it, she wrote that she was terrified I might be here forever, end quote. Oh, boy. Well, you know, I don't like Brittany, but I certainly don't want to see her rot in a prison cell for the rest of her life. So hopefully she gets out. This has been your Cross Politic Daily News Brief. If you liked this show, hit that share button for me, would you? If you'd like to sign up for our conference, become a club member, or subscribe to our Fight, Laugh, Feast magazine, you can do all of that at fightlaughfeast.com, a one-stop shop, if you will. And as always, if you'd like to become a corporate partner with CrossPolitik, you need to email me at garrison at fightlaughfeast.com. For CrossPolitik News, I'm Garrison Hardy. Have a great weekend, and Lord